0: If you take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7, today I want to talk to you about the miracle of provision. We live in a trying time if you read the newspapers. Unemployment rate seems to keep slipping up. The government is... I don't know if you heard the news. I haven't heard exactly what's going on, but they're debating this national health care. All the things that are going on. A lot of businesses are closing down. People are losing their job. But in the midst of that, I want you to know that God's bigger than the finances of our company. He's bigger than our personal bank accounts. He's able to provide for His people. He's able to care for them, even in the midst of difficult times. 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 we're going to read about one of those times the wife of a a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha your servant my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves Elisha replied to her how can I help you tell me what do you have in your house Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the one side. She left him and afterward shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Father God, I pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I ask that this morning that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. I pray that anything that's of me or my ideas or my opinions, may those things fall to the ground. May your word, which is eternal, find a good place in the hearts of your people. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the Apostle Paul, we're going to go to the New Testament just for a moment. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he said to them, and this is a verse that many of us have claimed in the past, And my God will meet your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now Paul is writing to a church that was experiencing great difficulties for the sake of the gospel. They were a church that Paul loved dearly because we know that Paul sacrificed deeply for them. If you remember from the book of Acts, it was in Philippi that Paul and Silas were arrested. They were beaten. They were put in shackles and thrown into the darkest part of the dungeon. But there in that prison, shackled, bloodied, beaten, bruised, they began to sing a song of praise. The praises to the Lord began to well up in their hearts. And as those praises well up in their hearts, they begin to come out of their mouths. And you know, the praise of God, it's not enough for it just to well up in our hearts. We need to release it from our mouths. They begin to release those praises to God. And those praises begin to fill the corners of that prison and of that dungeon. And not only that, those praises ascended to the very throne room of God. And the scripture says that the Lord sent an earthquake. And their chains fell off. The prison doors blew open the jailer was ready to kill himself whenever he saw what happened. And Paul has to yell out to him. And he says to him, don't do it yourself any harm. Don't hurt yourself. Sir, we're all here. The man falls on his knees and he says to him, what must I do to be saved? And they explain to him the way of salvation. that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This man then takes Paul and Silas. He takes them home. He takes them to his house and he cleans their wounds and dresses their wounds. And the scripture says that he and the Philippian jailer, that he and his household were saved. These Philippians were special people. Throughout the letter to them, Paul continually uses this phrase to rejoice in the Lord. He says, I'll say it again, rejoice in the Lord. Now, the reason why he does it, he's offering words of encouragement to people who are in a difficult place. He says, you know, rejoice in the Lord, be thankful, give praise to God. Now, the scripture tells us when Paul writes to them, he says to them that you guys are the only church that supported me financially during this aspect, this one leg of his journey, of his ministry. And once again, they had sent Paul an offering to help with his ministry. And so Paul writes back to them as a way of giving thanks to God for what they've done. And he reminds them that in spite of their difficulties, in spite of the tough place that they are in, he says, my God will meet your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand this. The riches in glory... Are not affected by whether the Democrats or the Republicans are in office. The riches and glory are not limited to how well your company is doing. The riches and glory in Christ Jesus are not limited to whether we're in a recession or we're in a time of boom, okay? The riches and glory are not dependent upon how the stock market is doing. And Paul writes to him and he says, my God will meet your needs according to his riches and glory. There's never been a recession in heaven. There's never been a lack there. Now, let's get back to this widow. We gave you that. We want to go back to this widow. She comes to the prophet, Elisha, and she says to him, Elisha, my husband is dead. Her husband had been a part of the company of the prophets. This was a man who loved God and had committed his life To the service of the Lord. Doing the Lord's work. And now he was gone. While other men were busy building their own homes and their own businesses and their own farms. This man was busy building the kingdom of God. And now as he had passed away, it seemed that perhaps all he had done was in vain. You see, he left them debt. And he did not have enough collateral of things that they could pay back the debt so they came and the creditor was coming and he was going to take her two boys now can you imagine how desperate this woman was she had just lost her husband they had taken the things that she had and now they're coming to take her boys I can imagine her just saying, what else, God, what else can they take from me? If they take my boys, I've lost my husband. If they take him, what else do I have? And in this desperate situation, what is she to do? Now, like his predecessor, Elijah, Elisha asked the woman, what do you have in your house? How many of you remember the story of the widow at Zarephath? It's almost a parallel story here. The widow at Zarephath years before, but the widow at Zarephath had only enough oil for her and her son to make one cake. She was going to feed her boy and they were going to die. Now, the widow at Zarephath was a little better off the widow that Elisha is speaking to here because she at least had oil and flour. And she said, whenever I eat this cake, whenever we're done making this cake, we're going to starve to death. This is all that we have. And what does Elijah say to her? Elijah says to her, Will you go ahead and make that cake, but make one for me first. What? I, I Still, as many times as I've heard that or read it, I can't believe that. But here's the thing. Elijah knew that if she would obey the direction of the Lord that god was looking for a way to promote her god was looking for a way to provide for her god wasn't just trying to take from her he was looking for a means by which he could supply her needs because remember my god shall supply all of my needs and all of your needs according to his riches and glory and so what we find here is that the oil never ran out the flour never went dry for and there was enough for her her son and to support the prophet this whole period during the drought well she didn't have enough to make one cake for just enough for one cake for her and her son and they were going to die but as she obeyed the word given to her from the Lord God not only sustained her and her son for a week or two weeks, but for several years and also the prophet until it began to rain once again. As Elisha asked this woman the question, what's in your house? What do you have? She says, I don't have anything, just a little oil. Now here's the deal. Elisha knew that this woman didn't have a whole lot, but she had enough with God to provide a miracle. There was a miracle that was in her house. It just needed to be let loose. In fact, she didn't have to have even that little jar, but God likes to for us to give him something to work with. When she was willing to give him something to work with, Elisha knew that there was that little bit of oil. She says, all I got is a, sea, just a, a little bit of oil. Elisha says, that's all we need. Well, no, it's not enough. No, that's all we need. What do you have in your house? Real quickly, our three points today. The first thing I want you to recognize about this woman is that she inquired of the Lord. The prophet Elijah was God's messenger to the people. Like many other people who experienced what she went through, it would have been very easy for her to have gotten bitter, to have gotten resentful, to have said, after all I've done for God... After all my family has sacrificed. Don't you know, God, that I've committed my life to you? Don't you know that? That my husband committed his life to your work. And this is how you treat us. I'm going to tell you something. That doesn't put you in a position to receive a miracle. That attitude that has to have all the answers. And where we continually question God. That's not a fertile ground for miracles to take place. She didn't say... God, why are you taking my husband? But no, she continued to seek the Lord even though she was hurting and desperate. One of the things the enemy wants you to do is doubt the goodness of God. He'll throw things at you, circumstances and situations to cause you to not believe in the goodness of God. Just to say I guess all the things that that I've heard, that I've read about God, maybe they're just not true because I'm going through this. If he can get us to doubt the goodness of God, he's able to steal from us and, and to sidetrack us. When things get hard, there's a temptation to search in a lot of different directions looking for answers. You and I need to continue to inquire of the Lord. We need to seek his word. When your back is against a wall, you need to be seeking the word of God. You need to be digging in the word of God. We need to find direction from him. We need to allow him to speak through us, through the Holy Spirit, to speak into our hearts and our lives. We need to allow him to speak through men and women of God, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through circumstances. We need to have ears that we can hear what God is saying. As she went to Elisha, she was going to inquire of the Lord. She was going to, here's the man of God. What do I do? The second point I want to point out to you is that she obeyed the directions that were given to her. The prophet Elisha told her to go to all of her neighbors with her sons and collect as many pots as possible. And then she was to go into the house and shut the door. And that's what she did. I don't know if it made a lot of sense to her because sometimes God asks us to do some things. And to be honest with you, in the natural, they don't make a lot of sense. There's times where God impresses on our hearts that we're to handle something a particular way or his word says to handle it a particular way. And in the natural, we don't quite understand. I don't know if she understood what God was going to do. I don't know if it seemed to her like it was going to work, but she obeyed the directions that were given to her. That is very important. For we'll see in a few moments that the level of provision was based upon her level of obedience. The level of God's provision for her was based, it was directly linked to her level of obedience. Listen to this. The level of provision was directly linked to her level of obedience. If she obeyed half-heartedly and asked one neighbor for a pot... Then that's what God would fill. If she said to her kids, guys, Elisha's about half crazy. You know how those prophets are. You know, I'm friends with Sally. Go down the street to Sally's house and ask her if I can borrow a few pots from her. We'll try this, but I don't know if it's going to work much. Then she would have had Sally's pots to fill up. I think what we can see is a woman who fully obeyed what the prophet said. I can just see her going from house to house that they went from... Just the whole way down the street. They went two street, two blocks down, three blocks down. They, I could just see this woman saying, the kids come back and they say, is that good enough? And she say, no. Did you go over on this side of town and ask? How about your uncle over here? Let's go ask them. I would imagine that her house, I get to see her house just being filled with these pots. Does she know what God is going to do? No, but she obeys him wholeheartedly. I want you to notice this too. The prophet gave her this direction. He says, once you've gathered all the pots, you and your sons go in and shut the door. There's something significant about that. That was it. The opportunity was over. This is a one-shot deal. I believe that there's times where God says, if we knew what God was going to do. A lot of times if we knew what God was going to do when we were obedient. Like if we could see two years down the road and say, oh, when I was obedient in this way, this is how God blessed me. Then a lot of times we would keep doing that, right? But there's those times she didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So once the door was shut, that was it. It was like you get this one shot. You get this one shot to show whether or not you believe in me. You get this one opportunity. I want to say this to you. There's times where God gives you a one-shot deal where he says, listen, I want to see whether you believe me or not. I want to see whether you trust me or not. I want to see if you'll obey me or not. And so whenever that opportunity is there, sometimes the door is shut and she couldn't go back out and just keep searching for more. Once she realized, once she realized this works, she didn't have the opportunity to go back out and search for more. It was a one-shot deal. I believe when they came back with their pots, that they were the ones who determined how much would be provided for them. They couldn't go back once they saw it worked. For when, The scripture says that when the last pot was filled, the oil stopped. It didn't stop halfway. When the last pot was filled, the oil stopped. When it comes to the area of provision, God has given us specific directives. You see, God loves to provide for us. He wants to see our needs be met. He wants to see our needs being cared for. But he's also given us a plan to provide for his work. One of the things about God, it's just so incredible. I'm not the greatest science guy, but I did happen to notice some of uh, like fourth grade science programs where it talks about how The water cycle works. It rains, comes down, water evaporates. You know that cycle? And like you're in essence using water over again and again. It just goes through this cycle, and I'm forgetting some of the areas in between. But it goes through the cycle where it evaporates up into the sky, falls down like rain again, waters the earth. You know, you even think about plants. As plants die, the nutrients and the parts that's left there have a way of fertilizing the ground. God has a way of sustaining all of life. It's incredible. He has a way of providing for us again and again and again and again. He doesn't want to just provide for us. A lot of times people think that God wants to provide for us like this one big time. Boom. Well, he wants to provide for you on a continual basis. God also, when he established a church, designed a plan to provide for his work. He said, I'm going to set this in motion so that perpetually my work will be provided for and my people will be provided for. In Leviticus 27, verse 30, it says this, a tithe of some things from the Lord. So it says a tithe of what you want to give. Ah, somebody's with me. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, that means it's his. It belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. It's not mine. If a man redeems any of his tithe, he must add a fifth of the value to it. An additional 20%. The entire tithe, the herd and the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd rod, will be holy to the Lord. God, in this wisdom, designed a perfect plan to provide for both his work and for you. That's through the tithe. You see, the tithe, the first dime off of each dollar that I receive or that you receive, does not belong to me or to you. It's holy to the Lord. Don't touch this. It's not yours. God says it's mine. Don't even touch it. It doesn't belong to you. Let me teach you something else. It rightfully belongs to him. Until you go beyond 10%, you haven't given anything. Until you go beyond 10%, you haven't given anything. Because he says, whatever comes your way, the tithe is mine. It's holy. It's not yours. It's mine. It belongs to me. It's holy. Don't touch it. So until we go beyond 10%, we haven't given anything. All we're doing is simply returning to him what rightfully belongs to him. So the tithe, it belongs to God. It's not mine to touch. What does the Bible say about people who do not bring the whole tithe into the storehouse? Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. He's writing to his people. He's saying, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. And here's their thing. But you ask, how do we rob you? And he tells them. In tithes and offerings. What does he say in in verse 9? You want to live under a curse? Part of my role as a pastor, I want you to be in a place of blessing. I want you to be in a place where God provides for you. I want you to be in a place where whenever your back's against the wall, I can say to you without a doubt, saying, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But if we disobey God's word, we come under a curse. Now, I can come to you and complain to you about my marriage, about how rough it is and how hard it is. But if I don't do things the way that God says I'm supposed to, nothing's ever going to change. Do you see that? I can complain to you about how people don't trust me. But if I don't obey God in areas of integrity and walk in his ways, then people will never trust me. So there's these issues that we have to instruct people and help them to see. This is not the preacher who's saying this. This is God's word who's saying it. It says that whenever you rob God, how do we rob you? He says, when you keep the tithe, which is mine, you're under a curse. You're robbing me. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. And look at verse 10. Now, how many of you believe that God's word is specific? It tells us what we're to do and what we're not to do. What does God's word say we are to do with the tithe? One line, verse 10. We're to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. and We'll just stop there. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Very quickly. This is the only place in scripture that I'm familiar with where God says to test me on this. He's saying, prove me on this. Try me on this. See what I'll do. When you don't have enough, see what I'll do when you obey my word. When your supply is inadequate, see what I will do whenever you prove me and prove my word. Now, here's the thing. We need to get this one line right here. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What does whole mean? All of it. It's not part of it. And a lot of times people are feeling good because they're saying, well, pastor, you know, I gave my 20 bucks. The word says that I'm to bring the whole tithe. That's all of it. That's that whole 10%. Where am I to take it? To the storehouse. Here's what we need to hear. That means that the whole tithe, the whole 10% belongs to God. I'm to bring it into the storehouse. God is specific about what you and I are to do with the tithe. It's to be brought to the storehouse. That is local, where you are spiritually fed, where you are cared for. The tithe is not to be split. It's not, it says, bring the whole tithe. It's not to be sent where you determine, because it's not yours, it's God's. He's determined the way that he will provide for his church. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, here's the thing. It's not to be sent to your favorite TV evangelist. It's not to be sent to your favorite radio program. Your tithe is not to be sent to the American Red Cross. Your tithe is not to be sent to the fire department or to the ambulance association or to the Boy Scouts of America. That's not where your tithe goes. God's word says that you're to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test him in this. Can you imagine how much the churches in America could do? If people would simply obey God's word in that area. But his word says, it says that we're to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It doesn't go to those, the TV evangelist. Some people say, but I have a burden for the TV evangelist. Pastor, I understand, but I'm really burdened for them. Wonderful. God gives you 90%. Give some of that 90% to show that you're burdened for the fire company, for the evangelist, for the radio program. That's your 90%. You can give as much of that as you want. But God's word says that the tithe is to be brought into the storehouse and not part of it, all of it. Why do we teach you that? Because whenever... We're not functioning like the word of God says. It holds us back from receiving. Just as I said, I want to have a great marriage. Then I need to treat my wife like the word of God says. Now, let's move on here. It brings us to our third point, And that is this, that she poured out. It would have been very easy for this woman to look at her little jar of oil and complain about how she does not have enough. She's like, oh I got this little bit of oil. Get all the jars you can, go in there in the house, set them up in your house, get, all, get your boys in the house, shut the door, and start pouring. Now, There again, she could complain. Do you see how big this jar is? She simply obeyed and she started pouring. She didn't have enough for herself. Listen, she did not have enough for herself, but she poured out what she had. Oh. Listen to me. When she started pouring out what she had, somehow it was enough to fill the first jar. I can just see her like, whoa. Started pouring into the second jar. The incredible thing is, as she poured out what she had, somehow God provided what she didn't have. Isn't that incredible? As she poured out of herself, now, now here's the point what is it that you need? Because a lot of times when we talk about provision, everybody wants to get into the money thing. Well, I want you to know that i got a lot of needs that money can't buy. There's a lot of needs that we have. There's a lot of things in our heart that money could not touch. Lines of credit can't touch. Debit cards can't touch. Visa, MasterCard cannot touch those things. And there's some places in your life where you would say, Pastor, I don't have enough of Whatever it is. Oh, I got is just a little bit. Start pouring it out on someone else. Oh, Pastor, I just wish somebody would help me. I have such burdens. I have so many things that I have to do. Can I tell you how to, to solve that? You don't have enough work or energy to be able to take care of things yourself. Start helping somebody else. What? Some of you are discouraged and you say, I just wish somebody would come and encourage me. Pastor, I can't hardly make it. I wish somebody would come and encourage me. This situation is overwhelming. Pour out what you have. Find somebody else. You got a little bit of courage. You got a little bit of strength. Start pouring that out into the life of somebody else and see what God does. Some of you say, I just wish people would love me and care for me. I I have this longing in my heart where I just wish someone would really care about me. Start pouring out your love. Into the lives of somebody else. The incredible thing is that's where the miracles start taking place. It's like whenever you start pouring out the little bit that you have, God has His way of miraculously providing for you and for me. It doesn't make sense. It's absolutely crazy in the eyes of the world, but I'm going to tell you what, it works. It works. When we pour out that whatever God has given to us into the lives of others, somehow, some way, a lot of times it doesn't come in the way that we think it's going to. But God has a way of providing and caring for our needs. God wants to provide for you today, but he wants to do more than just pay your car payment. It's cool whenever God comes through and pays our car payment. It's cool whenever we pay our electric bill. God wants to do a work in your spirits changing our hearts, bringing us into intimacy with Him where we trust Him. And He wants to do something in us. What God wants to do is He wants to put you and eye in a place where it's that cycle of continual God providing and us pouring out. And God pouring in and we pouring out. And God pouring in and we pouring out. As we close today, I just want to ask you today, will you allow God to put you in that position? no matter what your situation or how desperate you feel, will you allow him to put you in a position where he can be your provider? It's going to take you inquiring of the Lord. It's going to require obedience. That's funny. We keep coming back to that same crazy word, obedience, obedience, obedience. And it's going to take us pouring out, kind of releasing. is something? You give up what's in your hand that's not enough. You release what's not enough so that you can receive what's in God's hand that's more than enough. That's one of the things about God. He is more than enough for whatever our circumstances, whatever our situations are. Father God, I thank you today for this time together. And I just ask that you would be the provider for each person here at this congregation. Lord, we're living in a time, I, I, I bet you if we went around the room here, There's people who say, man, pastor, my job, my company downsized. There's other people who, the fear of layoffs, how are we going to pay the bills? What are we going to do? Lord, I just pray that your people, we we certainly don't want to manipulate anybody, but I just pray that your people would be obedient to what your word says. I pray that they'd be obedient, like this widow at Zarephath, that they would obey you wholeheartedly. When you tell them to go and help somebody else and they have a need themselves, And you tell them to go and help somebody else or serve someone else or give to somebody else. I just ask, Lord, that they would obey you immediately, wholeheartedly. I pray that they wouldn't be confused, but they'd hear very clearly what God says. Not what man says, not man's opinions, but the word of God and your Holy Spirit directing them. I pray that they would give of themselves. That they would pour out their lives into the lives of other people and for your kingdom. And Lord, as I pray, as they do that, I pray just like that widow who began to pour into those vessels. I pray that their supply would not run out. I pray that God, you would be their source, that you would be their supplier, that you would be their provider. I pray God, as the word says, that your people would test you and see if you won't open up the windows of heaven. And pour out all of the encouragement that they need. All of the joy that they need. All of the strength that they need. All the love that they need. All the peace that they need. And Lord, even all the finances that they have need of. But I believe that you'll make us rich in every good way. Meaning, Lord, that we always have enough to share with somebody else. Not just to blow on ourselves. But you're going to always give us enough so that we can share and help someone else. Now, Lord, be glorified and your name be lifted up today in Jesus' name. Amen.